1: Jetpacks are overrated. Welcome to another Jetpacks are overrated. I'm Seamus Byrne. Today, I'm speaking to Matt and Leanne Connolly, two of the co-founders of BuildBee, an Australian 3D printing startup. Now, they have focused in on the software problem when it comes to 3D printing. The idea that actually there's an awful lot of 3D printers out there that might get blamed for being bad printers, when in fact... That interface between the printer and getting the thing to print the object you want is often the key problem. So really fun conversation with these two. Uh, we look at so many of the cool projects they've worked in, everything from, from helping with COVID problems through to cool things in sort of creativity and production. And then all the way through to even like supply chain type questions and, and what it will mean to be able to sort of move that endpoint of getting something you need, whether it's a spare part or whether it is an entire piece of furniture, being able to move that closer so that the manufacturing happens near you, and how much that that has actually been brought to light in the face of supply chain issues in the middle of COVID. Really, really interesting conversation. So stay tuned. This is Matt and Leanne Connolly from Build They're based out of Wollongong in New South Wales. Really fun conversation. Let's get to it. It sounds like the project or the whole concept of B, started in one place and has sort of evolved into new areas over time. So what was that original seed of the idea? Why did you feel like this was worth doing? Because it, you know, I mean, it's funny. There's been a long time now where it's felt like 3D printing is just about to take over the world. And so at any given moment, it feels like, well, there's plenty of other companies out there doing cool things. Why did you feel like you had the next best solution?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, our background is, um, I guess providing 3D printers to education. Um, and that, I mean, that is a, that's a long, long, long journey. And for us, BuildBee started when, uh, we were having troubles getting the administrators for the schools to maintain the software that we were, that we needed them to install. Um, the, the number of, you know, technical people in public schools now is, is very low. And they just, they didn't have the people that knew the administration passwords. Um, you know, it would be a two-week cycle from, you know, from needing to update software to getting to actually update it. So, yeah, we developed the the Buildy platform, which is completely online. Um, so, if you can get access to the internet, you can use a 3D printer. So, those, those same things that were perfect for education, you know, perfect for getting a six-year-old into 3D printing, were you know just as just as powerful to get my mum into 3d printing
1: look i think that's a really good point because it definitely like the the few experiences i've had myself with 3d printers it quite often feels like again the promise is kind of one thing but that actually navigating the software is often one of the hardest parts of the whole thing. And as you say, if someone can't even admin the computer that they're using, then it's even harder. But you know, what are some of the things you tried to make sure were in the software to make it, I guess, as usable as possible?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, the software is it's built into a workflow. Um, so there's only ever one decision to make at any time. So it takes away all of the, um, all the complexity, I guess, that you're that you presented with. It's not a it's not a huge dashboard of knobs and buttons that you can that you can muck up. Um, we've um, in the background we've set up presets for the common materials, um, all the common three D printers, and then we've tried to make it more of a conversation with the user, um, so that you know you don't you know need to know about three D printing to get there. Um, you just need to sort of answer a few questions along the way, and I mean, it's it's like the it's like a duck on a pond. You know, the, the duck's moving along effortlessly, but there's a lot of kicking and um, kicking and fighting going on under the surface. Um, so we've had to build out a lot of technology that lives on the um, you know, on the server side, um, so that the experience for the user is, you know, four clicks of a button. Yeah, we've built a lot of stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. What What were some of the things that have happened along the way that that uh, sort of made you realize, okay, that whatever the kind of the core of the initial idea was, like, where did you start to see actually, here's some of the other problems we could start solving for people now that we're, you know, part of that ecosystem and we're seeing what people are actually asking for.
2: Yeah, I mean, our uh, Bill B started as a as an internal product. Um, it was something that was built for our own three D printers. Um, I was touring China with some of the big manufacturers and they were seeing what we were doing. So we started to work to split that out so that we could manage all sorts of 3D printers, all sorts of CNC machines in the future. Um, So it's a a one-stop shop for all manufacturing.
1: Um, Look, yeah, I feel like... There's also then the big question of owning a printer versus being able to just access a, you know, a helpful printer somewhere else. It seems like that's kind of part of what you've been able to also offer. And, and again, it does feel like, you know, I'll circle back to my own terrible experience where you know, I managed to um, do that thing where you just fuse some plastic to the base plate of a printer and go, I don't even know what I did wrong. <laughs> So at least if you're then just sending your file to somebody else to help you print it, then they're carrying a bit bit more of that experience with them when it comes to knowing exactly how to get the print to print. So, you know, uh, what's been that experience of, I guess, you know, having the in-house printer versus people just being able to use this to, you know, to find another printer that could help them out?
3: Yeah, so basically when we started working um, with schools and we had all these users that wanted to access a small group of 3D printers but weren't able to really have a lot of control over the way it was set up, um, that's one of the things that Matt was sort of referring to when he was saying about there's, a you know, the duck kicking legs under the surface. There's a whole lot of, um, you know, the latest methods and techniques and, and intelligent um, sort of uh, strategies that people are using in 3D printing are built into the platform so you can really take... Um, a novice and give them a cheap 3D printer or give them access to somebody else cheap, else's cheap 3D printer. Um, and a lot of the things that can go wrong um, we've managed to sort of take into account in the process. So what we've what we've been aiming to do since then is um, we sort of realised we were onto something, right, like separating the person who wants the output from the person even who maybe designed the thing in the first place from the person who controls the 3D printer. Um, And being able to create those as three discrete roles, but allow them to communicate effectively. Um, And one of the things that we actually built from the beginning, kind of on purpose, but it's turned out to be quite significant, is that um, now what we're allowing people to do is to let other people 3D print um, designs without ever sharing the actual design. So in your example that you gave of just wanting to give it to someone else to tap, to worry about, you've got to physically hand over your intellectual property in that process and you've got to hope that they'll abide by the license to yeah. sit around that that transaction. And so what this allows um, you to do is to really bypass the operator of the 3D printer, not hand them your IP but just give them the instructions on how to produce that, um, that object. So, yeah, we're really working towards... Um, a secure method for connecting 3D printers to people who want objects who may be completely at arm's length from even the person who owns the intellectual property
1: itself. Mm. And look, some just to touch on something else you just said there. I'm I'm wondering from your experience, is there a sense that sometimes, you know, let's say somebody has decided I'm going to get a 3D printer, I'm going to try out some stuff, and they're having a bit of a struggle with it. Sometimes they might decide, oh, it's because the printer isn't good enough. Like, is there an element there of almost like, well, actually, if sort of if you're having trouble with the software, if the software is, you know, just not good enough, then that could end up actually being where the problem lies and that the printer might be perfectly fine if if only you were able to sort of interface with it
2: well. Yeah. I mean, typically there's there's about 200 odd parameters that you can change in a single print. Wow. Okay. Um. And any getting one of those wrong um, can yeah can be catastrophic, um, or even worse, it's um, it just doesn't look quite as good, you know. So you you learn to accept it and you you learn to sort of move on, um, or you you start to tweak other things, and then you go down a you know a rabbit hole of of tweaking settings and constantly getting it wrong, um, yeah. By I guess by working. Working with our machine learning platform, working with that to to help guide those those settings, um, it takes a lot of that effort away um, and removes, I guess, it removes the opportunity to stuff it up. Yeah. <laughs> At the core of it, most three D printers are the same. They've got they've got a thing that makes plastic hot, and they've got three things that move around. So, I guess with the right software, you can make a make a 3D printer into a really good 3D printer.
1: Yeah, it's a good thought. Um, So I guess to help on the kind of the business side here, um, you know, what is, you know, what has, I guess, the core of the business model become then for you? and, And, you know, what's both, I guess, the local and then the international success that you've seen so far?
3: Yeah, so when we started six odd years ago, we were just we just wanted to get kids in front of three D printers and get them excited about it. So we designed our own three D printer and we were sort of working on the whole package for schools. Um, there is still an element of our business that does that, um, but we're really focused now in the software. We just think that's where we've got the biggest impact um, for the for the whole industry. Um, and so what we're working on now is a um, subscription based um, software. We have free options for people. Um, We give uh, unlimited free users to our schools that we work with. Um, And in Australia, we have about 700 schools on the platform now. Um, We've got about 10,000 users in total. um, And we're starting to expand out into the consumer market around the world. Uh, And our next big target is global education, which is, um, you know, obviously something we're super good at, um, given that we've been working with education for so long. Um, and you know we've started to build out a few really neat um, complementary products that uh, feed both of those markets. So um, we've launched a Make Code uh, project just recently, and so we're rapidly working on that, which allows people to um, learn about block coding and JavaScript um, and even Python um, to create 3D objects from code, uh, and even create apps for people to generate their own objects with a you know, user interface. Um, and then flow that through to the actual production part of it. So it's all related to, um, you know, having a physical output at the end, Um, which we, you know, we expect that to be a really big driver of uh, education around the world.
1: Yeah, and then how do you kind of build that sort of third party network of of printers, you know, is it that idea, you know, do you just start ringing libraries and ringing random shops, asking them or, you know, like, how do you, how have you sort of managed to do that so that people can then, you know, find out there is somebody nearby who could print it or that you know, they could order it online and get it sent to them?
2: Yeah. um, So far it's been driven by the libraries and by the, the community groups um, that are looking to activate the spaces, you know, the, Libraries don't need so many books these days. Um, a lot of their assets are online, um, so they've got they've got quite a lot of space. But libraries have always been there to to draw communities together, um, whether it's with with books or in the early days of the internet, um, and now it's you know it's sewing machines and it's um it's repair workshops and it's you know it's three D printers things that um things that engage communities. And get them together um, so it's really been driven from from their point of view um, we haven't we haven't gone out and and tried to grab them
1: yeah look that's great um, and so you know I've heard there's been a number of really cool you know community projects and different sorts of things that you have been Im- involved with do you want to sort of talk a little bit about some of those and um, I guess not just how they came about but sort of what it what it is you feel like uh, that you know connection has really helped to create
2: one of our missions, our one of our early missions, was to always be the nice guys, um, and we've we've been involved in so many things. Early on, we were involved in some of the generosity events, and that was that went from just um, you know making physical objects that were then auctioned off on the night to you know to make some money, um, and you know we really hope to to work with them a lot more. Um, we've done we've done medical. Products we've done, you know, COVID outreach um, things more recently. Um, you know, producing um, producing face shields in the early days of um, the COVID lockdowns. Yeah, yeah, we've done we've done a number of um, number of hackathons working with um, disabilities organisations to to develop um, develop new solutions. Yeah, cool
1: um i I see on the list as well something called the yours and owls festival can you explain that because I just like the name I think that sounds really cool <laughs>
2: um so yeah yours and owls is a um is a local music festival um and we were approached in the sort of leading up to the event um they had a an area called the octopus's garden um, <laughs> cool. but it was it was just a garden um and what they needed was an octopus. <laughs> um, so we, yeah, in uh, in about a week and a half, we built them a um, nearly two meter long octopus, um, all 3D, um, yeah, modelled and then and then 3D printed um, and assembled in our office, um, and it went up on a big on a, a pole that was about four meters in the air, um, and that that was a real highlight. You know, having people send me photos of our octopus. With uh, seagulls sitting all on you know, <laughs> on, the, on the top of it and on the, on the legs. That was, that was really cool.
1: <laughs> I just love the idea of someone ringing you saying, so we've got this octopus's garden. Here's a photo. Can you see something missing? <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the octopus? <laughs> exactly. Help us out.
4: <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: (laughs) Um, Look, I love that at one end of the spectrum, you've got, you know, I guess helping out with sort of, uh, you know, coronavirus related health initiatives. And then at the other end, just making like cool tabletop gaming things. Um, You know, like it kind of speaks to how great, 3D printing is as an idea because it can just be whatever it needs to be. Um, but is there an element there as well of just kind of, you know, well, I guess like you said, you just, you know, like to try to be the nice guys. Yeah. Um, where is it that sort of these different sorts of thoughts and theories come from or is it just having that kind of open view of what's the next cool thing we could help out with?
3: I think um, we've become kind of known in our local um Community as well, you know, like anything that seems even remotely related to 3D printing, it's like, oh, the Me 3D guys. And, you know, we've kind of become a bit of a, a name um, in the area. So I think that's how some of it comes to us. We've got a really good connection with the university as well. So that's how the coronavirus um, face shield project sort of took off. And we ended up doing 10,000 yeah, 10, face shields. Um, and it was great. That was actually a really good one because we set up um, a print farm. We had all these 3D printers that were ready to go to schools, but obviously school shut down. So we just unboxed right. them all, set up 50 3D printers and then ran them solid for like three weeks. And we did some development on BuildBee at the time to make it into like a production um, uh, product. And so now BuildBee can, you know, mass produce on dozens of 3D printers with one operator.
1: I mean, can you actually help to explain? Because the bit that I kind of always get slightly confused by, and so I'm sure it's not just me, and that I'm not just completely stupid personally, but what's the like, what's the parts of the face shield that are being 3D printed? Because I'm assuming that the the big main plastic bit is a piece of plastic that hasn't been printed per se.
3: We actually, yeah. So we 3D print the frame. Yep. And then we um, use uh, transparencies. You know, the old school. Yeah. <laughs> The overhead projectors, yeah, that's it. So um, Officeworks. <laughs>
1: there's probably people out there who would hardly even know at this point or remember what overhead projectors and transparencies were.
3: <laughs> they still stock them and we we definitely bought them out of stock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what kinds of, let's kind of get into some of the nerdier stuff then, you know, with the, the tabletop gaming type stuff. You know, what's kind of, what have you been doing in there and, you know, what sort of part of the, the passion for that are you bringing to bear?
2: Yeah, I, it doesn't help when your whole office is full of tabletop gaming nerds. <laughs> um, so every, uh, you know, we run on a, a planning cycle where we do two weeks of dedicated sprint work and then um, one week of, you know, basically figure it out yourself, see, see where you want to go. Um, and so they've, they've definitely taken that to heart. Um, so every three weeks, we pretty much come out with a new tabletop gaming product. Um, whether it's to put, um, you know, standard size bases onto a model with with a single click, whether it's to arrange them so that you can print, you know, um, a whole set of, um, you know, Dungeons and Dragons manipulatives, you know, in one in one sweep. Those those things that help our office out are the same things that other people are going to want and, and need yeah um, so yeah it's all driven from inside the office
1: yeah and like, uh, are there any good examples you can think of and through your experiences of you know cool kind of designers that you've crossed paths with who've been creating interesting things like an old story that i remember hearing about from one of the i think it might have been like thingiverse or one of those sorts of open sort of sharing systems um was a designer from like Broadway who started converting their 3D designs into dollhouse sized furniture so that people could you know print these things out because um, they realized oh like once I finished designing a chair for a for a theater performance the file just kind of sits there in my archives doing nothing anymore. Um, Yeah are there kind of cool things that you've you know come across that just shows the way in which I guess designers have been able to really unleash their sort of concepts and, and help more people get access to
2: them. Yeah, that, that's that's amazing. I'm going to have to go and I'll go Yeah, look that, for that was a great one. I'll send you the link to um, the story, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, you know what? Every every day it's different. There is always something different. Um I mean, I I've got I've got random stuff around the house. Every single room has got some functional 3D printed part, you know, hanging from the roof or the light switch or you know, I've got 3D printed plumbing. Um, you know, I needed to make a, oh, last year when, when we had no water, um, we needed to water the gardens and our kids have a, a bath every night. Um, so I printed a, a thing that, you know, plugs into the, the end of the drain and diverts water to the front garden and the back garden. Um, it was a thing that I hunted for at Bunnings for, for three or four trips. And you cannot buy this thing. Um, but now you can 3D print it. Um, and it's it's live. It's free on Thingiverse. If you want to go and grab it, <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah. So we're we're working with some cosplayers at the moment to, I guess, to help their efforts. You know, make it easier for them, and certainly bring them, you know, out of out of so much, you know, sewing and and ironing and that sort of stuff, um, and help sort of bring that more to a, a digital um, side. Um, and I guess to make the the fine details that yeah. are very difficult, very time-consuming to make. Um, yeah, so it's it's Henchwench um, out of out of Adelaide. So. Yeah. Um, so there, she's going to come on. Um, we're going to work with her in a lot of projects. Awesome. Um, so anything, really, any sort of product development she needs, we're going to we're going to roll into Build B. Um, so everyone can get it.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. That is really cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah. W- I guess is the advice for people out there who listen to something like this and think, "Yeah, but like, still, I'm still not sure because I just don't know where to start." You know, what is that advice? I guess for someone who just wants to sort of have a bit of a dabble and see what what's possible.
3: I'd say start with your. Um, if you're an alumni of a university, go see if their makerspace allows alumni to come and access it. Um, I know ours does. They've got. 12 of our 3D printers and they run it all on Build B and, um, you know, they have cohorts come through and do training and that sort of thing. Um, otherwise, your local library, we like Matt said, we have a lot of libraries that are starting to get into this sort of thing now. And even schools, you know, schools are looking for community outreach opportunities. So if you've got a connection to a school, um, it's a great chance to, um, you know, just get to see how it is. And especially if you're using it in a school, you can see that, well, if they can do this with the children as young as seven years old in a complex environment with a lot going on, then surely it's something I can have a crack at.
1: Yeah, awesome. Um, are there any other aspects to what you've been up to that we haven't touched on that excite you at the moment or that you want to make sure people know about?
3: Yeah, so we're, um, as I mentioned earlier, we're um, currently launching our project on MakeCode, which is a Microsoft platform for block coding. Um, it's super exciting stuff. It's really um, a great way to bring practical, real-world output to um, a coding project. Um, so we'll be—it's we, already live. Um, we're working on some great features and some new blocks coming out um, in the next week or so. Um, and then we will be running an hour of code on MakeCode. Um, so yeah, watch this space. There'll be heaps of free content, heaps to learn, um, tying it into some awesome. Uh, curriculum outcomes in digital literacies. Um, And yeah, really uh, a world class product that um, has a, a lot of learning outcomes attached to it.
1: Cool. Have you had to take investments? Or has this been the kind of thing where you've been able to snowball it yourself over time?
3: Um, yeah, so we're a Sydney Angels um, company. Uh, so we've been working with the Sydney Angels for a bit over two years now. Um, we've also had some local angels come on board, which has been fantastic. Um, you know, the the weight that um, these investors throw behind a local company and there's so much commitment, particularly in the Wollongong space, to growing the tech community, leveraging the university um, and really just building talent locally and not losing it all to Um, to Sydney and overseas. Um, So, yeah, that's been fantastic. So we've, yeah, we've raised um, over a million dollars now and expanded our team and done a heap of amazing stuff with that money.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
3: Yeah, we're actually also in the middle of doing a funding round. Um, So we've reached a point now where our product's actually really quite um, professional. It's really reached that sort of world standard. And so we're ready to just go and promote it. Um, so we're currently um, actively talking to investors and seeking investments so that we can go global with a, a big um, digital marketing program.
1: What's been the experience in the kind of 3D printing realm this year? You know, again, there's so many industries that have had problems. Others have kind of seen additional success. Have What's been the sort of the progression of this environment through everything that's happened? Has there been positive aspects? Have there been parts for yourselves that have felt like it has slowed things down or, or sped things up?
2: Yeah, I mean, for us selling 3D printers into schools is really hard. Yeah. Um, cuz it's it's all about, you know, it's all about touching the 3D printer, seeing how it works, you know, and convincing people of that sort of thing. Um uh, I guess globally for 3D printing, it has been a fantastic year. Um it's been the the realization of all the all the things that we've said that we could do with it. Um you know, we always talked about, well, what if the supply chain falls over? You know, how do you how do you get objects now? Um, and three D printing has come to the fore, and it's it's made that happen. Um, when all of our, you know, when things were sitting on boats and can't get in an aeroplane, um, but you can send a digital file across the world and make it locally. Um, yeah, that's that's it's done the thing that we said that it always would do um going into mass production of of new objects new products um, really quickly and it's it's done that as well um, there's been plenty of stories where um, you know something was needed and the quickest way to get there was to build a mass of 3d printers and make it immediately um, there's no lead time there's no there's no tooling um, you get it straight away um, and it's been that's been the realisation.
1: That's excellent. Supply chain has been completely buggered this year in yeah. so many ways. I mean, can you touch on uh, how, I don't know if your technology uh, is able to support it, but you know, beyond, I guess, plastics into other areas you mentioned earlier on sort of uh, CNC. I'm not sure if that sort of is within the platform right now or something that's going to be added.
2: Yeah, I mean, at, at its core, Bilby controls robots over the internet. Um, whether that's a 3D printer or a a plastic 3D printer or a resin 3D printer, um, a metal 3D printer, um, a welding arm, you know, uh, a CNC router cutting furniture, it doesn't matter. That's, you know, we we can do all of those things. Yeah, I certainly imagine a place when, you know, you roll up into a new housing estate and there's a shipping container and it's got a big Build B sign on the side of it and all of your machines are inside, pumping out the furniture for the local housing estate. That's, you know, the, that's the big hopes and dreams. But, you know, it's its one of the futures we could end up in.
1: I did actually get to see one of those shipping container printing systems at an Autodesk event in Vegas mm-hmm. two years ago. You know, now it's, what year is it anymore? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah last time I was at <laughs> their big event. And you're and, right, like some of that is just incredible for on-site production. Um, yes, yeah, so much opportunity there. You're absolutely right final thoughts you know, where do you feel like the next few years um, goes obviously with the big kind of uh, effort to do a big kind of global marketing push for for Bill B you know what are sort of the the hopes there and you know I guess how that then feeds back into sort of the the local efforts for the business too.
3: Um, yeah, so in the next few years, um, we're hoping to really build that mass um, user base globally. Get um, you know kind of good representation across the continents. Um, we have have specifically built Build B to be uh, interchangeable, to be modular, so that we can add. You know, we already support just about every desktop three D printer in the market. We want to work with everyone. Um, and we want to be that agnostic platform that you can just go to and you can plug all of your technology into. So, you know, two years from now, I hope to see a really good user base in the home user market, in the institutional user market, so schools and universities, but also starting to get into retail. I mean, we talk about the shipping container model. There's no reason why there cannot be a retail network of these kinds of things. And maybe that's, you know, leveraging partnerships with Existing retailers in each of those markets, um, but yeah, really bringing that on-demand, fully customizable production. Local production is the key, I guess, um, to everyone, and that's where we hope Build B goes.
1: Yeah, look, that's great. Um, one more little kind of aside question: there, we touched on IP a little bit earlier, but you know, is there? Uh, can you sort of talk a little bit about that idea that you know the protection? I think is sounds fantastic, and then. On the, other, on the flip side of that then is you know, where sort of the community aspects or people who want to share, um, yeah, making sure, I guess, that you've got the support there for both versions of people who are just trying to share cool things openly and then also protect stuff when it is something that they only want to get their print and, and maintain control.
3: Um. Yeah, I mean, we always... <laughs> We always sort of tell this story about could you imagine if Disney stopped, you know, mass-producing merchandise, plastic merchandise, half of which ends up in landfill, and instead they started promoting digital products for people to make their own merchandise on demand when they're actually going to consume it Um, and, you know, the the sort of sustainability impacts of that. Um, Or, you know, Dyson, instead of, you know, having that one little clip go on a vacuum cleaner and the whole thing's, you know, defunct, You could ask Dyson, you could purchase from Dyson the ability to 3D print the replacement part. But, you know, these kinds of companies are always going to be very protective of their intellectual property. And so it's actually good for everyone if we can open up those channels direct to consumer um, for um, consumption of digital products. Um, And so that's why why one of the reasons why we think IP is so important. And there's lots of people out there who create incredible content um, and are really under-rewarded for that for that content because their only method at the moment is to stick it up on, uh, you know, my mini Factory or thingiverse and, you know, put a license on it and say, please, please, please don't copy and distribute this and please contribute to my Patreon, um, yeah. which is, uh, you know, it's very trust-based. But, you know, we already have sharing capacity in BuildBeat. We allow people to share things privately. We allow people to share things publicly. But ultimately what they're sharing is the right to print or the right to produce that product rather than actually sharing the underlying thing. And um, it really just helps. It's not entirely foolproof, but it certainly helps towards letting people, um, you know, take value from that very hard work that they do.
1: Yeah, excellent. Look, thank you both so much for your time. This really is, I think, an exciting space and it's great to see an Australian company actually, you know, kicking some great goals here to the point where you do go, wait, we could, we could take on the world now. It's not that big. No <laughs> no, no.
2: Yeah. Right. Take on the exactly. universe. We'll go there.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Planning for your next trip.